Welcome back, everybody, and welcome to episode three of our lay film television breakdown. Today, we are going to talk about episode three of the OA titled Champion. And I am your co host, Richie, and here's my co host, Patrick. Welcome back again, Pat. Thank you for joining me. Mm-hmm. Glad to be back. It's only episode three. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm really excited for what's to come because uh, we're just like barely getting started and we're just barely like getting into the origins of OA's captivity um, based on last episode. She was held against her own will and um yeah, I I, uh, I kind of forgot to mention from last episode some things that had happened or like, uh, oh man, the whole thing with like, dang, what did we forget? I, I remember we, we kind of recapped last episode, but there were some things I wanted to bring up, like, uh, like her mental health history, like her relationship with her um, parents, Nancy and Abel. Mm. Um, yeah she was like medicated for like 13 years she said up until her 21st birthday so um, yeah I'd imagine the viewers or people who are listening to this for the first time you know either those who don't believe her story or like you know maybe mildly skeptical might be led to believe that her mental health history could play a factor into her retelling of these events. Um, so yeah, I just want to bring that up just because in this episode we do get a journalist who is pining for OA's version of these events. So um, yeah, Patrick, what what did you think of the journalist pursuing this story. Do you think that she was being genuine uh, in her objective to tell the story? Uh, no, I think it was a bit of a commentary about uh, the exploitive aspect of media, where it's more like, here's my bestseller, The Financial Promises. Uh, she references how uh, Perry's going to be a burden, which isn't a good s- selling point unless you're trying to manipulate someone's desperation, possibly. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, you know, like it's going to be expensive and she probably won't have a normal life because of her experience. <laughs> and she's like, like kind of like. Hmm? Oh, no. And like how she mentioned, like Nancy and Abel probably burned through like their oh, savings yeah. and stuff looking for her. Yeah, and it's a, bit, it's a bit of a societal commentary about like, yeah, you you dumbasses, you've searched for your missing <laughs> child instead of putting it in the stock market. It's all gone. <laughs> and now she's mentally, she's possibly so, socially and mentally damaged from her traumatic experiences, and she's just going to be in the streets. <laughs> right. It's like, you guys oh. are in debt forever. Yeah, it's like, oh, <laughs> fuck. This <laughs> is... Okay, maybe I can see. Yeah, I can see that working. It's one of those. It's a cruel <laughs> machine we live under. <laughs> right. It's like, oh wait, but can I get a movie deal as well? And can I also have like Meryl Streep play me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd imagine that's how sometimes um, these things go. You know, like oh, I want to buy your rights to your story, and I also want, you know, if it gets really popular if it resonates with you know the world um let's turn it into a film hey i want producer rights <laughs> you know things like that yeah i'm not i'm not a full conspiracy i'm pretty conspiracy actually but yeah i think <laughs> of like uh the captain phillips story mm-hmm. or that idiot endangered his crew for a shorter route or something and they get invaded by Somali pirates and then uh, a little factoid that's not mentioned in the movie at all is I think vessels like that carry uh, 
a large sum of money for the purpose of like emergency ports and hostile like nations for whatever reason, just in case. Because mm-hmm. they're like an American ship. If they have to like, they're facing sinking or porting in North Korea, they got to have like money on hand to like, uh, you know, like pay North Korea for like their services because they could just outright refuse them based on like sanctions and stuff. Oh. And uh, yeah, and when that happened with the Captain Phillips crew, I think they had like some over twenty thousand or forty thousand or maybe more. And they sent the U.S. Special Forces guys, the ones who are killing each other on American soil in like Fort Bragg. Oh they sent God. those guys. They killed every Somali person on the ship. And then, uh, yeah, that 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 money that wasn't removed from the ship just vanished in the thin air along with the special forces crew as they left. Oh, wow. That's quite the coincidence. Yeah. It's just, it's clear they showed up, took the money along with probably brutally murdering, murdering the people who may have surrendered after the first, like half of the crew was killed from the the long range shots. So either way, the money was gone. Yeah. And that's not the movie. That's Yeah. I've seen the movie. I did not realize that that was um that's was what the true events were. Um, that's kind of crazy. That happened. That's, that's like the that's like the reported because like it's on the ship. I want to say that money's present up until they get rescued, and at the once they were taken captive, they were under surveillance, and again, no one got away with the money from the Somalian party. So it's only wow. one conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was a little sidetrack. So, yeah, <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, no, that's interesting because, um, yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, right? Uh, a way telling the story could be skewed in some way, and for her, she did not want to tell the story. She didn't want to sell it because her story does not have an ending, right? Mm-hmm. She feels like this is just the beginning. Um. Yeah, and I and I agree with her because we're we're only just uh scratch the surface of what is happening between her and um the other three people she is captured with. Uh I, yeah, I like the and I'm, I'm sure it's like there's a grander adventure being built up. But also like the reference to like or like it seems like she's also saying there's not a finality to victimhood or trauma. Like there's no the end and then you live a normal, happy, positive life. You can. But yeah, that's what I took too also. Where it's like, oh, she's like the therapeutic stuff. He's so much better. And yeah, it's just her fascination with the finality of it. And then refusing right. based on that. It's like, oh, yeah, I like that. It's like, oh, no, I'll always. Yeah. Putting the end in the story isn't going to end the life I live and the trauma of that. I really like that part. It's like, yeah, I wanted her to say something. She did kind of say something, but I wanted to. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. She says, no, I like, think... it's only just begun, I believe. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is like just the first step in, I guess, in a way, the, uh, the process of healing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's almost like when you're grieving for a close family member or, you know, someone dying and it's a whole process. Yeah. I think I had a interest with her saying like a first bloodline of like a nothing is over and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I believe after, so we're just going to recap. So like, after that scene, the dinner scene with the journalist, I think she was back at the abandoned house, right? And we get that confrontation um, between Steve and French because uh, I believe Steve, he tried to touch away, right? And she had this whole rule of like no touching. Yeah, I think he touches her jacket hoodie or maybe her hair. Yeah. Steve just wants to be loved. 
He's like a angsty teen. <laughs> it's like a pit bull. Pitbull, my pit bull's pretty sweet. You've never been yeah. Is <laughs> <like> a chihuahua? <laughs> Your pit bull is pretty sweet. She's always uh. Yeah, always uh, quite the uh, touchy one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the uh, the conversation between Steve and French had gotten more tense be- just because we've always felt like there was something going on between them two. You know, when they bumped to e- into each other at school, when um. They interact with each other even during lunchtime in the previous episode. French just doesn't want any part of Steve or Jesse or like just that group in general, you know. They're, they aren't his type of people to be around. I, and, I, yeah. I, I get the vibe. It's like his college progression where he views Steve. And I think they reference in their fight that they used to like. They were in the same neighborhood, and Steve's like, I know your house. I know what it's like, that piece of shit. Right. Yeah, house. that fil- He, like, insults him, like, some filthy house you crawl out of every morning. And then French's thing of, like, I'm not 12 anymore as he defeats Steve. But it's like, yeah, it's like a bit of his, his building confrontation, I feel, is going to be, you know, having, like, can he really leave all that life behind? Because it's part of him still. Right. But he wants to badly. And he views I took it as he views Steve as a part of that, like old life or the way his mother lives and the way his younger brothers are forced to live. And uh yeah, I think Steve takes that personally that he could feel French's like social climbing stuff. Right. Or aspirating um, or an insult to him. Like it feels like Sometimes French comes off condescending towards him or, you know, Steve doesn't want to feel like inferior to him, even though like on a social standing, it seems like Steve has a better um, home life, even though he doesn't have any sort of connection with his parents. Um, You know, he lives in a nice house. Mm -hmm. Uh, French, yeah, he doesn't have a good home life in terms of like um having having everything being handed to him you know he has to work his way into where he is right now where steve can just kind of like you know mess around for a time you know get drunk you know have a girl over right so um yeah i like the two differences between them uh, I hope they get it together soon <laughs> because uh, OA chose them for a reason. Yeah, I saying? hope everything works out for everyone. <laughs> but we will see, right? We will see. Um, yeah, guys, you know, everyone's come together for a reason. I, I like that whole, like, there is a connection between everyone and um, whether they like it or not. Uh, yeah, OA has decided to pick them. And yeah, it, it will reveal itself eventually as to why they're there. So, um, so yeah, after that confrontation, uh, she gets back to telling her story, right? Uh, no, we have a, don't we have a morning? Or is that, is there a period between that where we go to the school? Oh, right, right, right. Oh yeah. Oh Oh yeah, so we get to see um, Broderick Allen at school, and she goes into her classroom, and there is a a drawing or like an illustration mm. of her, like a version of her. Yeah. And this is after she's crying in the car of <laughs> the school. Oh right, because she was listening to Theo's voicemail. Yeah, there's a uh, voicemails from it seems like a Will executioner reaching out to her about her brother's death and he's leaving multiple calls and then she gets to her brother's call like or the last call and yeah she's like replaying it nice little 
emotional scene, but she's in, she's right in front of the office and like kids are going to school. It looks like <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> and yeah, she's weeping. I know. I, yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I I th- some things would have noticed like, Oh, you okay? This is. <laughs> well, you never know nowadays, right? I mean, if kids are on their phones all the time, not everyone's all like, they can't can't all be monsters (laughs) i was a bastard in high school but i wasn't a monster (laughs) hey in high school i didn't really get a phone until like my senior year but this is like way back this is like back in 2009 eight but um i wasn't the most observant person myself you know a lot of these observations or like a lot of these rumors came from other people. And I'm just like, oh, wow, I never knew that or I never noticed. As a, when I was younger, I, I lacked peripherals for sure. <laughs> but yeah, um, she, yeah. She does like a great power flex. Or not a great, but yeah. I, when, I, when you see the comedic drawing of her in like lingerie. <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, oh, I wanted, her, I wanted her like to draw like a little speech bubble saying like, welcome to geometry class. <laughs> <laughs> like embrace it. Like someone else drew it, obviously. So she's owning it and saying like, oh, this like doesn't bother me at all. In fact, good, good, good art talents. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting because. I believe the actress Phyllis Smith. She, I'm not sure if that's like a reference to her being a burlesque dancer. Oh shit! Back when she was younger. Damn. Yeah, I've she. Yeah, she. She used to be a, I believe, a burlesque dancer. I could be wrong. Hopefully, someone can correct me on that. But I, yeah, she was a for sure a dancer though, at least. Um, back when she was in her younger days. So um. Yeah, I was always curious about that scene. So I am wondering if they intentionally did that. Um, yeah, I I, be, I believe that there is more to that scene than meets the eye, especially since like <laughs> we don't really get any dialogue. There's not nothing really like explaining anything. Like Steve walks in, he looks at her, he looks at the board. <laughs> no, I she, thought that was so funny. Yeah, and she does inform him like, oh, I put a good word in. To like try to lessen, lessen the, uh, the blow, yeah, or the trouble, and maybe your parents will rethink sending you away. It's also a bit of like a like a little bully victim acknowledgement, where she's like, "Yeah, whatever you, yeah." Even adults get bullied. It's not just a high school thing, and you're not just a temporary bully. Yeah. There is a, there's a power dynamic, you know, there's always going to be. Mm -hmm. And he leaves. And I like the way that the camera tracks him because it kind of makes you almost makes you believe that he's going to like ditch school. He's like walking down the hall and there's like the, um, the exit door at the end of it. And he makes a turn and he walks into uh, a computer lab. Where they do continuation school. I so. love the. Uh, I I thought he was gonna beat up, like he knew the other bully or something who like does that as a joke. Like he uses uses violence for good. <laughs> but no, I I love the the shot and the way it uh tracks him to the little optical illusion. I don't know if I was already there on the campus they were filming, but it was it was a really nice detail yeah or it's like physics it's like the physics wing of the school but if you stand in a certain position it's like painted on the walls and doors so if you're in that position it spells it out properly and i'm sure if you're at other angles it's like a blob oh yeah 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 Yeah, that's uh you'll see where they do optical illusions on cameras yeah the uh the cinematographer for the episode was done by 
I hope I'm saying his name right, but Lowell Crowley. <laughs> he literally, his name is L-O-L and the last name Crowley. So, mm. um, yeah, he did the cinematography for this film or for this episode. And he did the cinematography for uh, The Childhood of a Leader and Box Lux. So, um, yeah, I like his work uh, done especially in this particular episode. So, um, yeah. Um, and then what happens after this episode? I Did did we go back to her telling her story? Uh, Steve goes to continuation school. Uh, it just dunks on the concept of app-based learning or online-only learning, where it's clearly just a room to lock the troublemakers into. Where, uh, yeah, Steve gets to see other kids acting out violently or performatively, where the girl stands up and puts water <laughs> on her shirt. Because, uh, yeah, I think a boy across the way, like, peeked around the computer to look at her chest. And she's like, yeah, she clearly confronted him. And she has some kind of aggression built up in her. And Steve's like, what the fuck? <laughs> She took his water bottle. Yeah, there's my water. And she's like, shut like, Yeah, she's... <laughs> shut she's, up, Steve. She was very bombastic, for sure. Just as much as Steve has been. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's kind of not... Yeah. Maybe he's met his match. Maybe. Maybe but, uh, two characters grow together away from their... Towards better natures. Yes. But then, yes, we uh, Steve's bewildered. He's in a new setting, and then we jump back to Prairie. Yes, we get back to Prairie, and we finally get to see the other three captives alongside her, where she's stuck in this glass prison. Um, and a little like aside, the little glass prison that they're in. I, I wonder if that's like uh, when Broderick Allen drew herself in a cube. I wonder if that's like. Mm. I, I wonder, yeah. I wonder if there there's a reference there to the prison that OA was in. So, so yeah, just to point that out there, maybe for we can go back to that. You argue uh, all the characters are in a prison. Yes. Right. Uh, maybe that's why OA has them open the doors when they leave their house because in their house, everyone feels stuck in their own little glass prison. Almost like, yeah, an invisible prison. But um, yeah, so she finally, uh, well, Hap has some sympathy for her because she... You know, she tells him that she's blind. She needs, you know, some fresh air, sunlight. You know, she's different from the others. <laughs> and he succumbs to that. He leads her back upstairs. She gets to um, revel in some sunlight for a few seconds before he takes that away. Yeah. And yeah. It looks like. Yeah. Uh, he has some sort of sympathy for her. Which is um, good for someone who is not a good person, who is probably maybe monstrous in some way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like the dynamics between them. Um, and I, I didn't mention this. I, this is a scene that I didn't get to mention from, from second episode. But like the scene where he uses the heartbeat detector. I thought yes. that was like incredibly well done. Super romantic in some way. Just watching it over again, I'm like, wow, you know, like, hey, he'd get me with that. <laughs> like, that's such a. I thought that was such a well done, such an emotional and sweet moment. Um, at least to for someone like Away, she would get you know manipulated into this situation. But um, but now you know she's slowly turning the tables because uh, yeah. He allows her to make um, the rest of the captives some food 
she starts making uh, a sandwiches for everyone for Scott, Rachel, and Homer. And um, yeah, what did you think of this scene, Pat? Uh, I liked it. I I like the knife grab, or like the yeah the very like while uh, she's she's uh fudging around the uh, kitchen, she like, grabs a knife for a second, and I was like, oh, is she gonna like do a life or death lunge? And so, oh no, she's uh, she's smart enough. And then uh, maybe it's foreshadowing. That too, yeah. And then I like that uh, she made the sandwiches. Or uh, she made the guy a sandwich for whatever. I think like uh, I always think back to the first episode when she's like uh, submerging herself in the cold water and her fear. Where if yeah, it feels like she's not like gonna desperately claw and try to sc- immediately fight her way out. She's like letting the situation envelop her, and then she's gonna find her method out or her chance she's not gonna jump forward and or like grab the edge of the ice and make it collapse rapidly she's gonna slowly climb out mm-hmm. so yeah i like that it seems like she's doing that where she's oh i'm not gonna like oh there's a knife right here i could like lunge and try to kill him maybe and free myself and to hell with the others <laughs> no i'm gonna show i'm trustworthy i'm i have a wow oh, i forget the word but she's like Stockholm yeah, syndrome. Uh, Stockholm's are like domestic use. Uh, mm. she's, she's an asset in the domestic field that'll free up him to do research or whatever, whatever he's doing. His important work and that will gain her, you know, trust and a little more liberties. And then that liberty could be a foothold to helping everyone. I like to think she's clearly yeah. planning this. Right. She's meticulous about her next steps and trying to get out of the situation and and bringing them a sandwich too it's a bit of the Shawshank scene I think of when he gets mm-hmm. the beers on the roof <laughs> right a little bit of a yeah to have some levity in that moment um, especially when she brought them the sandwiches like Scott's like why did you have to fuck it up with mustard <laughs> that was like so off-putting but so funny it's just like scott would say something like that yeah Um, but yeah it feels like he doesn't he's not like fully mad (laughs) just seems like a brash asshole right he's like oh fuck there's mustard god damn it (laughs) it's better than yeah it's like it's better than the little pellets they're being fed right it's like what are they like freaking animals on a farm (laughs) um yeah, it was such a nice and neat moment. It kind of humanizes Hap. At the same time, mm-hmm. uh, you can see the resentment that the others have for him. I mean, n- you know, one good deed isn't going to, you know, right all the wrongdoings that led them there. You know, uh, I believe Homer was trapped down there for at least over a year because yeah. he, yeah, he gets, we get a moment with him where he, tries to get away to send a message or at least get his ring back because he has like um yeah he has his ring from uh i believe what they call a championship game yeah or state championship yeah yeah the state championship and yeah we get that moment with him and so she gets to go back up there she makes a plan to at least try and uh, she tries to like oh yeah yeah no she she crushes up sleeping pills mm-hmm. to try and knock out Hap. Um, but although I'm just wondering like okay so when she does do that she ends up making him soup right from yeah. back from her roots and I have to say if he's ordering the ingredients and all the food he doesn't check the ingredients you know <laughs> like that that's the one hang up i kind of have uh, about the episode it, maybe i'm like a little nitpicky but uh yeah it's uh yeah because it's he has like a immediate violent reaction to the tomato <laughs> paste right 
It's was like there like out. tomato in there or something? I don't know. I, I thought I saw tomato in the soup. I think it's well. Uh, I think it's Prairie's. It's like an innocent accident. Yeah. She's like, oh, I need vegetable stock. I can use tomato paste and like broth or something to make that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think later on when she's up in the kitchen with a hap, there's like literal like braille. Yeah, a uh, little little braille. Uh, I forget the labels from a label maker on everything in the kitchen. <laughs> or I can see that being prairie, like just grabbed a can, shook it like, oh, this feels like broth. And she opened it, took a bite. like, Oh, it's tomatoes. I right. can use that too. And yeah, his dumbass didn't check. <laughs> didn't. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. But funny. I, I guess it's some. It is somewhat believable that he wouldn't look because you know he kind of underestimated her up to this point. He trusted her with a lot. She's blind, so whatever. She can clean up for me and do all my biddings. You know, all the dirty work. Um, it, was, it was like an innocent. Like he's not even pissed. <laughs> he's, yeah. He's like, oh fuck, you what? Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. That was such a great scene. Like it's it felt so intense, just like you know, leading up to her finishing up the soup, having him go out, getting partially so she can top it off. Yeah. Just in time for her to put in the the uh the crushed uh sleeping pills. Um the standoff of you're not eating. Why aren't you eating? Aren't yeah. <laughs> just like the uh yeah, the close-ups of like their face and like him eating the soup and her listening to him swallow it down. It's just like, oh man, how is she gonna get out? You know? Yeah. Um, and then yeah, it completely subverts the little the the way you expected to go. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm violently dying from an allergic reaction. She's <laughs> like, gotta, oh shit, you're choking. <laughs> you gotta you gotta save me, or the people down there will die. Right. No, that was uh, brilliant because it really it really tells us that she doesn't have leverage in this moment as much as she thinks she does. Um, yeah, because it really it tells us that like, yeah, she didn't know the code to the door. How is she going to have access to bring them out? You know, they didn't plan this nearly well enough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she rushes to the bathroom to get the pen and she finds uh, a corpse in the bathroom laying in like lavender colored water. Yeah. Um, yeah, she finds Homer's ring and yeah, so she finally finds EpiPen. Hap is... Um, so yeah, Hap is fine. Yeah, he's crawling his way into... <laughs> Towards her to get the epipen, yeah, checks myself with it. It's it's really good writing because uh, the uh, when he says like go to the bathroom, I have like because whatever the one in the pantry is busted or expired. So you go in the bathroom. There's the fresh one or something or, mm-hmm. and then uh, yeah, I remember like getting excited like go in the bathroom get. I was like oh she's gonna get the ring and then there's a corpse in there. I was like oh damn. And she she drops the ring and all that, and it's kind of like, it's one of those horror movie things. Like, oh, it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. Like, like how do you drop that? How do you not like grab that and immediately throw it in your pocket or like stow it away and grab the epipen and run back? And then yeah, she has to reach into the tub around August, and while that's happening, I think half. Like silently crawls his way up there and like grabs her <laughs> wrist straight as she grabs the ring, or pulls and her you hand hear, out. Like you hear his wheezing from down the hall. It's like <laughs> like coming. It's like it does sound like a horror movie now that you mention it. <laughs> yeah, but I love that. Like it makes sense for Hap to like because he's choking, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like when she's taken too long, he starts crawling, and he's again he's not like you like you fucking almost killed me. This not like bad writing would be. He just comes in like oh like. She probably like accidentally found the body or like brazed up against it and it's like paralyzed her with fear. Right. And like, oh shit, I gotta get down there because like I'm gonna die. Cause yeah, it's not, yeah, it's one of those things again where it's completely believable that she would be immediately let back into the domestic sphere in Stockholm's like servitude. 
because like yeah there's nothing to give away that she's like malicious like planning yeah or working it directly against him explicitly or whatever because she's yeah yeah. because we're finding ourselves um among like a few twists you know like yeah like you said she didn't plan for him to be choking (laughs) or to be dying of this thing um like she even said herself like it's hard to kill a man let let alone let him die um but yeah upon going to the bathroom oh yeah right the ring a callback to the ring but also um stumbling upon a corpse it's just like just so many things happening at once right and and uh yeah she walks away and finds an envelope and so when they when she gets back downstairs, um, they're able to continue their mission to uh, call for help. And um, yeah, man, this scene was uh, heartbreaking because yeah, they're finally able to set this plan in motion. But uh, while Hap is outside trying to bury um, August, they the current is really strong because they're like well they're sleeping on top of a, like a a spring yeah right? it's a nice touch yeah um yeah so the current is like really strong so as they're trying to dig their hands underneath the um the glass uh to hand each other the the um the letter um along with the ring inside and the money um yeah, I uh, it was really heartbreaking, especially like hearing them give out names and addresses. And when they turned to Scott, he he had nobody. Yeah, I'm just like I oh man, I don't want to waste the space. And then Homer, like uh, his captain of the football team persona, it's like come on man, there's no room to be wasted. What do you want me to write? And then Scott has to like raise his voice to communicate like. I have nobody. Just stop pressing ahead, me just, on this. Just call the FBI. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it was really hurtful because, uh, I mean, we know that she's been gone for many, many years, right? So, but it's just like those those moments, like you're so close yet so far. And yeah, losing that envelope down the spring, it just, oh man, that was so heartbreaking. And um, we do get such a touching moment um, afterwards where Oway is just crying like the whole night. And we get Homer, like you said, him using his <laughs> charismatic uh, captain persona to like cheer her up. He just tells her to, to stand up. You know, you got to stop. You got to stop doing this. You got to stop crying. Just stand up. And he essentially gets her to do like do jumping jacks. <laughs> it's just, I I really like this scene a lot because uh, even though they lost hope, it's really easy to lose hope in that moment and to just let her, you know, weep in agony. But um, yeah, it really shows Homer's um, empathy. Because he's always remained calm. Yeah, it's a great. It's one of those. It's it, the writing's really, really. Uh, what is? I'm trying to think. The writing's really good. There's some like lines where I you could predict them coming. Like I, I go back to the journalist. Like there's no way my story's just begun. Like I was like jug, I was juggling around like three things she could say to be dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that was one. But like the the character building or like the. When Homer's like, hey, come on, get up, do do jumping jacks. It's like a completely believable thing he could have like integrated to his personality. Cause like when Homer's doing that, I I, I picture like a twelve year old Homer like losing a big football game or something where he's young enough to cry about it, and like uh the coach stepping in and like a positive aspect of like you can't cry while you're doing jumping jacks. So everyone give me. 25 jumping jacks or something like that mm-hmm. and yeah it's just like character building through his actions and dialogue where we don't need to see that happen i can imagine it happening just from the way he 
like motivates prairie or like this it feels like something that's he's experienced from her perspective and now mm-hmm. he's the one guiding her through it yeah um that was really well put um yeah i have to mention that the, the writing was done by brit marling zabat manglish and dominic orlando and yeah uh, rest in peace to Dominic Orlando. He actually just passed away recently, like in the past few months. So, um, yeah, he was very, he was a significant part of the writing process for the first and second season of this show. So, um, man, yeah, definitely can't replace that aspect. And, um, I'm glad you really, I'm glad you brought that up. And, yeah, we get uh, more character moments from Rachel. We find out her situation. She had a brother. They were in a car accident. And she's come back and has this amazing singing voice. And that brings them together as well. Or at least it soothes us. For, wasn't, um, it, wasn't it reversed? Didn't she have a beautiful voice and then uh, do the her small small town prejudice or strife she just decided to pack up and run away with her brother to nashville to try to get a career out of her voice oh no um no i believe she said her the voice came after really that's what i lost the voice and then that's, that's why when she sings and it's good it's like a little um no, I think, yeah, I, I, I believe it came after. I could be wrong, but uh, no, that's that's what I, that's what I got from her story. Um, although we could be fact checked, but I believe, I believe, uh, yeah, that she got the voice after, especially since considering um, Zhao and Britt like hired her because she's a musician, mm-hmm. so she they hired her specifically for this role, so um. I mean, yeah, because, you know, the whole NDE process, right? They came back with something transcendent. Yeah. And, you know, where OA can play the violin very beautifully, um, Rachel can sing incredibly well. And, um... Maybe she yes. lost her purpose for singing, and that's what I'm hung up on. Or maybe that, too. Because, yes, she did get into a tragic accident and then involving her brother. So, um... Yeah, I believe, I think he passed, or I'm not sure. I think she mentioned that, or it was implied. But, um, yeah, she references seeing his body, mm -hmm. like thrown from the car, and then him on the side of the road or on the pavement. I can't remember which one. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty horrific. And yeah, it plays into the end of the episode because when, when away, is preparing coffee for Hap and he opens the door. Um, dude, I forgot what was like the final line between them. Uh, I'm trying to remember because it, I, I think he's like, he opens the door and he's like, okay, let's go. And she like doesn't move immediately. I yeah. I got so wrapped up in what happens right after because I think he just like <laughs> yeah, yeah completely... I, it comes out of the blue what she does to him because he's like come on let's go away or not away come on let's go prairie or he's like come on like we're going back and she just mm-hmm. eats him down the stairs <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have to rewatch that final part but yeah she does ask him a question about something yeah she was it about August uh no it was it was it was the uh she, i think she asked what he does oh yeah oh yeah the gas the gas she asks about the gas oh yeah, yeah she asked about gas. august and the gas yeah yeah well and after he, he opens the door and that stops him at the edge yeah because he mentions like oh well that's you know he, he uses that for he he didn't really answer the question directly no, but, like, um, it's, it's easier that way yeah. 
Yeah, she pushes him down. She tries to go for an escape. Although I kind of wish in that moment she would have just grabbed the pan, go downstairs and just beat the shit out of him. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I'd imagine like in that situation, right? Like you'd want to run for your life. Got to get help. Yeah, even if he's like, even if he has a broken leg, like going down there blind and trying to right bash someone is like yeah they they'll just you'll miss harder. They'll just grab, yeah they'll grab your yeah. wrist and it's over <laughs> yeah i make it i make it sound easier than it really is but yeah i mean when you're blind and you're also trying to kill somebody that's not a recipe for success but um yeah no it makes total sense that you know she just you know run for her life make her way out of there like just get the hell out of there try to find help right so there's got to be somebody nearby until we realize that they're in some remote location. Yeah, this is, there's like a big quarry that looks like old even. Like it's probably not even being worked on anymore. So there's like a massive drop. And she stops because I think she hears the wind howling at the cliff edge. Because of the vastness of it all. It's like, oh, damn. Yeah, I, I'd imagine like how um, disheartening that must have felt. Just hearing all that, you know, the vast empty space and the wind and just like, oh man, there's nowhere to go, you know. No, no, and then, <laughs> yeah, and she gets knocked in the head and it's game over. Yeah, but of a rifle. We don't see who does it. Yep. And yeah, that was the end of that episode. Um and uh, I've noticed every episode ends with like a light. Yes. Yes. I'm assuming that's going to have a payoff. Or it's referencing something. It could be. It could be, Pat. I'm excited for you to see more of that. Um, I, I want to go on the record. Yes. <laughs> uh, I really, really, really want... Like the final confrontation with Hap to be uh, just Prairie gets her vision back. Like mm. at the penultimate moment of like the do or die moment where like she can run or do something. And Hap's like, oh, I can, you know, I can cut her off or I can, like, like she picks up a gun even that's loose and Hap's <laughs> like, okay, she can't see me. And then, like, <laughs> It's just her like looking into the camera and then it's like his perspective like oh fuck she can see right now. <laughs> right. Like she wow. can see in this moment. Like I'm hoping that's like the penultimate build off or build up. Cause it, nice. Yeah, like, nice. Because it reminds me of a, it was like a fantasy anime movie where there's like a, a meek character who's like a side character and it's revealed they're like a descendant of a dragon. Ooh. And it's like, what? And then, like, the main villain's like looking at him, and like, the eye has like fire in it or something. Or like, it's just like a <laughs> stare from the main character that like defeats the evil. Or it's like, that's awesome. <laughs> so, in this case, OA is a descendant of. Not dragons. <laughs> <laughs> I think angels, because of the uh, that scene with the scars on her back, mm-hmm. it reminded me of like that fucking X Men movie. <laughs> Right. Uh, is it X-Men the third I think X2? One? Or is it the third one? The Last Stand? I think it's The Last Stand. The one with the son of the guy who like had the wings that who like... Yeah. He cuts them or something. He would clip them constantly. Wow. Uh, yeah. I, I like that. I like that you put it on the record. Um, yeah, not, not, a bad, not a bad prediction. I'm going to uh, lose it if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> um let's see if you babe roof it uh in the coming episodes but um yeah uh i'm excited to hear what your thoughts are next because um i think this fourth episode um yeah i think you're gonna really like it even more uh as to what happens and um yeah we'll see what happens to hap and OA and the rest of the captives and we'll probably get more of the the kids too. Um they're due. We're hitting the halfway point. Yes, yeah, we're almost hit the halfway mark. 
And yep, that about wraps it up for our recap of the OA Episode 3 champion. Homer got his ring back. And OA nearly escapes, but to no avail. So yeah, Patrick, thank you again for uh, co-hosting this episode with me. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing the show with me. Yep, and I can't wait to see uh, if any of your predictions pay off. <laughs> so uh, yeah, until next time, see ya on episode four. your hair different? Hmm? You doing your hair differently? Oh, it looks nice like that. All right, that's enough for today. What did you do to August? What happens after the gas? Well, that's my part of it. Don't you worry about it. The gas is so you... You don't have to worry. Look, Perry, all great work, important work, comes at great cost. <laughs> <laughs>